passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And we're back. This is Inside Black and Gold. Mailbag edition. Mailbag edition. Trade deadline. You know, we're going to talk a good bit about the trade deadline, but we're also going to get to other questions as they went in there. Um, you know, we've had the well, first question, though, is from uh, Jando the Sorcerer. It says, why isn't Pete in the booth? I don't know. You know, he's talking about Pete Carmichael, asking why Pete isn't up in the booth. And I, you know, it's, it's a good question. Uh, I do think it's interesting, but I do. I, I've always felt like as an offensive coordinator, you want to be able to communicate with the players. Like you want to be able to have conversations with everybody as, as it takes place. And when you're up in the booth, you can't really do that. Uh, so personally, I think you know, I, I actually initially when I saw this, I thought they were talking about you, but your name's not Pete. And they're asking why you weren't in the studio. And that's but it's because you don't host a show today because Bobby Bear hangs out at the casino. And no, and, and I guess, yeah, for Pete, it's you know, Carmichael. It's a feel thing. I agree. And I he's know. always been on the sideline. So that's why he's on the right. sideline. All right. Let's see. Let's get to a let's get to a trade deadline question. This is one that that I think can get, get into a subject. So 992 RAS says, I would do Chase Young for a fourth rounder this year and a fourth rounder next year. So I, I guess, you know, Chase Young, you could talk about Carl Lawson. You could talk about a few of these guys. And to me, you look, I look at it as, are you going to give up assets for a guy or are you going to commit to getting your second round pick on the field? And, you know, we talked about the defensive line. You would like to see more pressure. I I concede that, although I do think it's a more nuanced conversation than just saying these are the pressure numbers and they have to be better. I think when you look at it, you're going to say we invested heavily in the 2023 draft 
in our defensive line. We signed two free agents, right? We drafted Brian Brzee in the first round. We drafted Isaiah Foskey in the second round. Are you going to now ship out more assets when you're already not able to get Isaiah Foskey a ton of snaps, right? Like you're not dealing with injuries. And at the trade deadline, injuries are almost always the biggest impetus for teams to go out and make a trade. It's it's not usually like, oh, the players we have are not playing at a high enough level, so let's replace them, right? Because you could trade for somebody, you're still not taking Cam off the field. There's only so many defensive ends you can find snaps for, right? Like your Carl Granderson's going to get his snaps. Cam, like, sure, you could make the argument that maybe you limit his snaps. Maybe you bring him down from 90% to 75% and find more snaps for somebody else. But I think if you're talking, if this the front office is looking at this, they're going to say, well, if we're going to get snaps for somebody, we'd like it to be Isaiah Foskey, right? He had 10 snaps in this game. I thought he had a decent impact. Uh, Dennis Allen talked about how he needs to be a little more physical, and that's been an issue for him, and that's an issue for a lot of young players is adjusting to the physicality of the NFL, uh, building up that strength needed, especially at that position. But to me, that's where I look at it. I'm not going to go out and ship out more assets to make the path to the field for Isaiah even more daunting. Like I, I just don't see how that would benefit you. So I, to me, I don't think you, I don't think you make a move for a defensive lineman. No, and you, you know, with you know Chase Young, I understand you know the Ohio State Buckeye Brotherhood kind of deal, but he's very good. But is he hasn't been healthy though? I mean, that the last I think two seasons he's been really limited with injuries, and I don't know. I, I don't want to invest in. Uh, d- damage goods up front. I've, I've had enough problems recently that I'm, I've been working through <laughs> in that area. And yeah, yeah. I, I, to me, I, I have other areas. It might be up front on the offensive line. I, I'd like to make a deal for, but yeah, the D line. I, I'm not. I don't think there's anything out there right now that can help me. Yeah, the, it's really tough to find teams that are willing to to shed offensive linemen either. Like right, even no, when you're it, a team that's rebuilding. Right. You still got to exactly. go out there and play. Piece you freaking need, right. Still got to go out there and block. <laughs> so no one's giving away like a really good asset on the offensive line. They're going to give right. you, sure, a depth piece, which maybe maybe that's worth it. Maybe your interior line, you don't feel like you have enough enough depth there and uh, you want to add a piece or two. It's not going to be someone you're excited about, let's put it that way. The trade that I think is possible and only because of the connection and Valerie Lynn says, what would y'all think about getting Hunter Renfro for a seventh rounder? Would you do it or not need it? I would love Hunter Renfro on this team. I don't know exactly how you'd use him, like what his role would be. But I do know that Derek Carr has a lot of faith in Hunter Renfro. And he could come in and the learning curve would not be that steep. If you're getting him for nothing, right? If If the Raiders are just basically like, Give us anything and you can have him. I would do it personally. And it's only because I just, you know, the, the, tar- the difficult part here is you don't have in- any real injuries where you're like, we got to find a replacement for this important player, right? Like what, what player is that? Where you're looking at them like, wow, we need to add a piece here because we are without this key member of our team right now. And you just don't really have that, right? Like you could say left tackle, but I think you feel pretty good about Andres Pete out there, right? You could say defensive end. 
But, you know, Peyton Turner, you would probably expect him back this season at some point, right? Like you're getting pretty close to where you would have him return. And so I don't know, but at wide receiver, maybe, right? You, 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 as much as I like Keith Kirkwood, I don't think he's had much of an impact. So I think, you know, it would probably limit A.T. Perry. But again, this is an example of do you go get a guy who will take snaps away from your the rookies or the young players that you have and that you want to build their confidence? Or do you just say, hey, let's give A.T. Perry more opportunities. He got it. He made his NFL debut this week. Right. And, you know, he got a few snaps. He was on the field a couple times. Um, he looks great in that uniform. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. Like that's It's going to be like difficult. Yeah, I think like you said, if it's something where like the Raiders are like, here, have them. We don't want them. We'll take anything just, you know, to unload them kind of thing. There's a possibility, but I don't I don't think any more than that just because, you know, he uh, Carr has a relationship, sure, there. And I'm sure it would be something he'd approve of, obviously, but not a, not a needed asset right now. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's it's only because of like if if they didn't have that chemistry built in and that, you know, you maybe you do deal with injuries down the stretch of the season, you need an extra body there. You know, I think that there's there's upside to at least consider. If it was anybody else, I would say no. Maybe he can make Chris jealous and he'll focus and be really mean. I am also <laughs> Yeah, maybe it would. Maybe it would be a wake-up call for him, right? Maybe it's like, I yeah, either, yeah you, either you figure it out, you figure out your shit. Or Hunter's going to take your snaps because he does a lot of the things that you do. Maybe not as well. Maybe he doesn't have the ceiling, but I trust him. I know he's not going to let the ball hit him in the face. Right. He's not in La La Land. Yeah. So I so I don't know. Maybe maybe that is maybe that is something. Right. Maybe it's like okay, we need a wake up call for Chris Olave. So let's bring this guy in. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think you want to undermine your receiver that way. No. But right. either way, you know, I kind of I kind of look at it like that. And yeah. You know, I think the the real question is, is there anyone that the Saints might want to trade? And so, you know, I think one one question is... If this game had gone differently, I might have... I'd I'd view them obviously more as sellers than trying to acquire assets. It is funny how teams make these big, bold decisions where it's like, (laughs) oh, we're competing versus not competing based on one game it's like oh we're four and four we're right in it we're three and five yeah we could probably uh, yeah we now yeah, we, we ain't got it right and the good old nfc south baby you're always in it it's the chemistry they have with each other jimmy g does not have that chemistry with hunter right well like a guy like julian edelman is a great example of if he wasn't with tom brady would he be a guy that you even talk about he might not even have made it in the nfl guy out of kent state played quarterback but he he and Tom Brady basically had a telepathic connection and it's like, yeah, that's, that helps. That is a, that is a factor. Um, I'm also being a homer because I covered Hunter Renfro in high school and I really like him. He's a good guy. Went to Sakasti, played quarterback. Okay. Unstoppable. <laughs> anyway, but the question to me, you know, so I, I think one question and this is the benefit you have when you have three quarterbacks, which you do now, Jake Hayner, like in, in last season, for example, even like Jimmy Garoppolo went down, everyone's like, "Oh, trade trade Jameis to to San Fran or or whatever." And and you would have you could be like, "Well, that doesn't you they wouldn't do that because they wouldn't do that because they need a backup quarterback, right? Like if you cut Jameis, then you don't have anyone that knows the offense. Like having a backup is valuable, and it's also difficult to replace mid season, 
This year, you do have Jake Hayner. And it would save you a roster spot if you decided he's your quarterback. He's your backup quarterback, right? Do you I have could add the devil, to be- I could add the devil's advocate too and say you could you have Taysom too, obviously. Sure, right, right. So so do you need Jameis this year the way you did last year? Even if Derek went down, you have options. And so I think that does open things up for you in terms of the Vikings need a quarterback right now. Are they going to go with Jaron Hall? That's tough. So would they consider being like, hey, do you know, <laughs> hey, hey, Saints, do you want to trade us your backup quarterback so you guys can meet up in hey, 12 so- days? I don't know. But I, I do think it's interesting. I think if that that's a call that I think you would field with a lot more consideration this year than you did last year. And, and I don't think that they're going to trade him. But I think that your your roster allows you to do that this year the way it didn't last year. And and again, it's like in the beginning of the season, that wasn't an option for you because Jake, Jake was suspended six games and, you know, you didn't really have that option. But, you know, <laughs> it doesn't help that the one time Jameis got in, the offense didn't score in the second half either. And that's not all Jameis's fault. But, you know, I don't know. I, I could see that being something that happens this year. Whereas last year, I would have been the first to tell you, no, that's not happening. And even earlier this season, when Aaron Rodgers went down, I'm like, no, they're not, they're not even, it's not even on the table to trade him to the Jets because you need him because Jake's suspended. Now, where you've had Jake have seven some odd weeks, even suspended, he was able to kind of be a part of the NFL, at least. I don't know, just saying. I could see it happening. If, like, if there's one, let me put it this way. If there, if I was gonna bet on like the most likely splash move that the Saints are involved in, that would be it. I still don't think it's gonna happen, but I think that's that's the trade that would make the most sense to me if they decided to make it. It's yeah, it just seems completely lunacy to think that yeah they trade him to Minnesota just to turn around and face him. But I, I don't even know if he'd be ready honestly, to to lead that offense? I, I don't know, honestly. Well, that's why you'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, right here, take goes up there. it doesn't matter if it's Jameis or anybody else. Like, they're going to be in a world of hurt in 12 days trying to figure out how to run an offense. It'd be like um, a Techno Bowl offense you're running. But that's why it's a really difficult situation that they find themselves in. Are you going to turn to Jaron Hall? Maybe bring Case Keenum back? I don't know. Um, yeah, but, uh, and uh, yeah. I know, uh, what's his name from... Uh, Southern Miss might come back, right? Nick Mullins, that's probably... Yeah, I I think the most likely scenario for the Vikings, and I don't know if it's this week or next week, but Nick Mullins is on IR with a back injury. Is he healthy enough to return? Because if if he is, then that's where they end up going. Because I don't think the Vikings want to trade for a quarterback either. And I'm sure Nick Mullins might realize, obviously, this is my opportunity. Opportunity. yeah. I, I, my back has to be better. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I mean, most likely, like, I would guess that the quarterback the Saints end up facing in two weeks is Nick Mullins. Um, and what would Jameis, if anybody was willing to give me anything for him, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah, right. Again, like, just from a fundamental standpoint of how the roster is structured right now, it could make sense. Now, I still think it won't happen, but it could make sense. And if Nick Mullins ends up starting for Minnesota, Jimmy from Gretna is going to be thrilled. Because he's obsessed with Nick Mullins because he's a Southern Miss guy. He's the best quarterback in the history of the NFL, according to one guy who lives 
who tells us he lives in Gretna, even though I'm guarantee you he does not live in Gretna. We got one. We got one backup enough to worry about this week with Chicago. All right, let's uh, let's let's get off the let's get off the trade deadline hill for a bit because I just I don't think there's that much to talk about. Not, trades are very rare in the NFL, especially big time uh, trades. You just don't see I mean, them. Yeah, hypothetically, like maybe a Madden video game world, you might be thinking, I wonder, did anyone call Mickey about Camara? Did anyone call Mickey about Lattimore? I don't know. I could so one per like Marcus May might make sense. Because, like, for example, Marcus May was healthy enough to play this week. He didn't play. And the reason is he didn't practice on Wednesday or on Thursday or Friday. And I think that's honestly a very strong vote of confidence in Jordan Howden. Yeah, definitely huge. Because, like, Marcus could have played, but he did not have the prep in order to play to play at the highest level that you would hope. So they went with the rookie. And it's not a great look for Marcus. Like, I, I don't think he's going to lose his job, but... It does tell you that the Saints feel very confident in what they have in Jordan Howden. And I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, he's one um, for the up column on the, you know. Yeah. He, he, uh, like I think he had one. some tough moments. He dropped right. a pick. Uh, but he was in position more often than not. Um, but, yeah, so, like, there aren't – one of the issues that the Saints have when it comes to trading players, like last year you saw Christian McCaffrey get traded. That was one of the bigger trade deadline deals you've seen in a while. But – one of the difficulties the Saints have when it comes to trading players like Camara is the way that they structure contracts because you can't just trade a guy and get out from under his deal the way that a lot of teams might be able to. You've restructured it. There's dead money at the back end. There's void years. And suddenly that guy's not in your contract anymore, under contract anymore. And so not only are you trading him away, you're sol- you're, you are digesting all of that dead money immediately because that's how it works. So I, I that like, makes it a little more difficult for the Saints if you're like, do we have to trade this guy? Because if we don't, we're way better off. Um, so like that's why a guy like Marcus, who hasn't been restructured yet, or a younger player, or you know, but what's the market for a guy like that? I don't think it's big. What if the uh, Raiders want Olave and they'll send you uh, Devontae Adams? <laughs> Stop! I'm not doing that. <laughs> this is not that podcast. <laughs> Um, speaking of podcasts, the Keeping It Real Hoodat Sports Podcast, let's get into non-trade deadline talk. And he says, the offense continued the momentum it gained in the fourth quarter against the Jaguars. They found a rhythm in that game, which carried over into Sunday's game. Tempo, not hurry up, but a more decisive tempo. And I, I agree with this. Like, you don't have to run tempo all the time. But I do want you to, I do want you to force the action, right? I want you to, you know, you have someone on their heels and you keep pushing. And I think they did a good job with that in this game. You definitely and, felt it for sure. Yeah, right. And like that's the type of stuff that's like you you should enjoy that as an offense. Like you, you know, you kind of it's like jazz, like you zig and zag and uh, made it up. Uh they also want you to come on their podcast, Steve. So Woo-hoo. you've been called out. Valerie Lynn says the goal has to be six and four going into the bye before the big game versus the Falcons. You know, I if, before Kirk Cousins went down with what I think is an Achilles injury, which you know, I would have said two and one, I would accept, especially now that you're one and oh, like you got to beat the Bears this week. There's no excuse if you're facing Tyson Bajant. Uh, But now if you're facing a backup quarterback with the Vikings, you got to go three and oh. And six and four going into the bye would feel very good. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah, I mean, come on. We we laughed at the schedule when it came out saying how navig- you know, how easy it was to navigate for this squad and it's actually gotten easier. Right. I mean, come on. You've been gifted now. Although I'll say with the Colts, it wasn't anything like, oh, my goodness, you're facing, you know, this an experienced quarterback, but still a a hot rookie that had had promised start and a guy in Richardson that, that, you know, we know mobile QBs give the Saints fit. So it could have been more of an issue uh, not having to face good old Uncle Rico, as Bobby would say, or Gardner Minshew. Yeah, these should have been back-to-back matchups that you thought, okay, the Saints are going to have trouble with this guy. Saints are going yeah, you don't face either sure. of them. It's Valerie Lynn again says, "Why do they call him Bink? Anyone know? Just wondering." I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, so I'm not going to get completely into it. But you know, there is a funny story that Malcolm Roach told me. It was from uh, Arthur character named Binky, but that's not actually true. He made that up and made us all look like fools. It's actually from. What Colin told me, it's the sound of a basketball hitting the court because he's used to play basketball. He was a point guard. And so it'd be like, bink, 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 bink. And that's why I like Alvin when he calls him bink. He's like, bink, bink. Calls it, he says it twice. Bink, bink. Anyway, that's what it's from. It's a weird name, weird nickname, but, you know, it's unique, memorable. And, and whatever works, right? Yeah, it is right. Yeah, definitely unique. Bink, bink. <laughs> Bink, 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 bink. Hey, I guess you can make up your own thing and mess with people too, I guess. Well, that's what Malcolm did. Um, right. Stefan, Stefan says the penalties were horrendous. Yeah. There, were, there were some bad penalties in that game. Mark, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, I don't think he's had a bad season. One thing that's been going on with the Saints the last several weeks, since week four, I believe, is they haven't been shadowing anybody. They've been playing sides. And I think that's more of a statement of how good they feel about Paulson Adebo than anything to do with Marshawn. But I do think Marshawn is better when he travels and when he can get into a matchup with one specific guy. I think he loses his edge a little bit when it's just whoever's in front of him, that's who he's covering. And we've seen more penalties from him this year than than I can recall in the last several years. I have to look it up, but I know he had he had a I think he had a pass interference in this game. Um, he got beat on a few. Um, I just think he thrives more in that kind of mono e mono, like I'm going to shut you down, kind of Revis Island type matchup. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. But like, I think that certain guys, that's who they are, is they sink their teeth into the best receiver on that team and they say, you are not winning. 
and so this is not really what this comment is about, but I, I, it isn't, I think it's interesting to watch and how they, how they operate because I actually think if you, if you looked at it, Paulson Debo outside of the penalties might be having a more consistent season in coverage. Yeah. For, you know, Marshawn hasn't been terrible, but you know, we saw dog Marshawn in, in training camp. And I think we thought he was coming into this season, like looking to make a statement on where he was among the hierarchy of corners in the NFL. And that really hasn't been the case. No, I, I agree with that. Here's Luke says JFC. If a guy gives up two receptions, everyone thinks he's not living up to expectations. Newsflash. There's no true lockdown corner in the NFL anymore. Revis was the last of a dying breed. I mean, I, I agree with that to an extent. Like I'm not saying that, that Marshawn's not playing well. I've seen, I'm saying I've seen more penalties out of him. And I also think that he plays better in that matchup. I don't know why Luke's so mad, but like, I think Marshawn is the type, like we've, we've always seen this out of Marshawn when he gets to go up against a Mike Evans or a DK Metcalf, like he gets into it. Like that's his type of matchup. He wants to be physical. He wants to get in their heads and he shuts them down. You don't see that. Like when it's like John Ross, right? <laughs> uh, like Nico Collins got the better of him a few times. Like, I don't know. No, I hear you. I, I would always joke like the matchups with Mike Evans, all of a sudden Marshawn, you know, he turns into the eraser and he just scratches out Evans name from the stat book. He doesn't even appear. But yeah, we, we don't usually see that on a constant basis. And I feel like he could be that dude. And I just wish we saw that interest more from Marshawn. And I think that's been obviously a knock constantly. It's like he just, for some reason, he just gets up more for those prime matchups. I, it, it is what it is. I wouldn't say interest. I wouldn't say interest. Like, I think it's not like he's disengaged. Well, he's not like, oh, John Ross, I'm not worried about him. Well, no, and, yeah. he's, and he's still playing really well. Like, he's still playing at the top end of the cornerback position. It's just, you don't, I don't think you see him lock down quite the same way playing sides as you do shadowing. Now, the more you do it, maybe that is something that he kind of builds into his DNA. In the past, you haven't done that because I don't think you had the talent on the outside across from him that, so, so like the, the, the issue with playing sides is like, okay, so they don't want Marshawn on Mike Evans. So they're just going to send Mike Evans over there and attack Paulson Adebo. Now, if you feel comfortable with Paulson in that matchup, just as much as you feel with Marshawn in that matchup, like you feel like it's not a disadvantage, then it makes sense. And right now, I think the Saints feel that way with Paulson. And the only issue for him, I think, has been the penalties. Uh, so I, I don't know. Like I think over time, that'll even out. And I think they've played well together. I just think you've seen Marshawn get beat. I think you've seen Marshawn get attacked more this year. And it's in part because Paulson's playing that well on the opposite side. So it's not like when you, that's one of the imbalances of when you have a star cornerback on one side and a scrub on the other side, why would you ever throw at Marshawn? You're always going to throw at the other guy. Now, if you have two really good cornerbacks, sometimes it's like, okay, well, we still want to throw to Mike Evans. We still want to throw to that guy in that matchup. So this year, I think more so than other seasons, you have seen Marshawn get thrown at. Now, sometimes he wins more often than not, but you're not going to win every time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would, I think he locked down DeAndre Hopkins in week one very well. If we're, if we're sitting here complaining about the Saints defensive secondary, then I think things are going pretty well because that's probably the least concerning position on this team. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what Marshawn, 
I feel like his play could be more elevated, honestly. I don't know. I, I For what we consider as a lockdown corner, he has not been that this year. I don't know. I, like To me, it's the penalties that have stood out. I haven't seen him get beat constantly or anything like that. It's just when you have those penalties, and this is a team that's been penalized way too much, and so they shouldn't be coming from Marshawn. You know, like, Paulson didn't have any penalties in that game, but the penalties were still an issue. I think Marshawn had two of them. So It's amazing. There's there's so many things. Like, sometimes, like, early on, uh, I feel like Kamara had a a, a reception that he dropped, and it was like, oh, crap, here we go again. Even, Even though, you know, even the leaders on this team aren't focused and in tune, but that, you know, that didn't prove to be the case, obviously. I, I just want to see uh, with um, with AK, obviously, getting more involved, getting downfield and getting into the end zone because when he's scoring and then you talk about with uh, – you look at Lattimore on the other end, I was I forgot where I was going there. Lattimore is just a key piece on that defense, and it just becomes that next level when he's – when he's locked in, at least. I mean, I don't know, and and I don't, I don't want to hear, oh well, what whatever receiver isn't a huge matchup for him. It should be whoever the hell he's matched up against, kind of thing. I don't care who the name is. I agree with that. Mike from New Orleans says Marshawn's making penalties because he's getting beat. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people have been getting beat early in games, and that's something that this team has to figure out. Like, you can't keep coming out and allowing twenty point first halves like you did against. The Colts. I mean, that's not a good look. So uh, that's something something you got to figure out. I, I'm just curious. His coverage numbers, obviously, this game, I, I, they couldn't have been very uh, appealing, I, I would say. I don't know. See, it is, it's tough to gauge, right? Because you're not paying that close attention when the ball doesn't go there. So there's going to be two or three plays where he got if he got beat, then those are the ones you remember. Same thing with offensive line, right? You're only you're only getting your name called if you're getting beat. Now, Paulson, I think, has made a handful of plays on the ball that stick out in your mind. You have not seen that since week one with Marshawn. He did almost have a pick six on Gardner in this game that, you know, kind of looked like the one in Philly last year. So he he had he did make a play on a ball there. I don't know. It's it's tough. And I I'll I'll take a closer look when I go through the film tomorrow um but it's an interesting question st john butler says seems like the bears have a suspect pass defense do you expect another game where the offense pushes the ball down the field on sunday i think in matchups where the saints can push the ball down the field they're going to push the ball down the field because you know at this point that's a contrarian approach at this point teams don't do that (laughs) so so like it's almost like by being aggressive and going deep, you're attacking a weakness in defenses that now exists because of how offenses approach the game. And they try to do these dink and dunk, this kind of West Coast, you know, go laterally, use the edges of the field. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't see why you would stop going deep. I would like to see Chris Olave targeted more downfield. Now, there's some issues that you had to iron out with Chris Olave, but, you know, like I think that. You know, they had a nice long plate of Mike Thomas. It doesn't always have to be Rashid. Like, I would love to see him be a decoy and then attack the middle of the field more often than they have been. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sure it would be nice to see a run of, yeah, I would say offense, but they are already on a run of offense. So it would be nice to see a run of, like, 30-point games from this team where, 
you know, you put that that idea that you can't score in the red zone in the rear view and you just plow forward and and make teams respect you. I think the good part too about going a bit against this Bears squad is you're not really a, worried about them hurting you if you do if you are a little aggressive and maybe things don't work out. I, I don't you, you know if if your play calling puts you in a situation where you have to s- settle uh, instead of getting those six points. Is you don't think that this Bears team is coming back and cramming the ball down your throat in the pass or the run game either. So I just think it it kind of opens up the offense more for you. Yeah, so if you were wondering about Marshawn versus the Colts, he did have, according to Pro Football Focus, if you believe their <laughs> grades, he had a 52.9 coverage grade. So, yeah, not his, not his best game by any stretch. Yeah, I can't imagine a 52 in any rankings is, is it really that good. No, I mean, he had a 90.2 against the Titans, 83.5 against the Panthers, 82.5 against the Jaguars. But yeah, he had a rough day against the Bucks. that Mike Evans matchup. Um, not a great day in Green Bay. Not a great day in, in New England. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's been, been off and on. He had a rough day against Nico Collins because penalties count against you. So, yeah, I was yeah, trying I mean, to think. You said New England. I'm like, wow, if anything bad happened in New England, I can't even recall. Yeah, this is strange. Huh. So he's had five penalties down the year. He had two in this game. I think only one was accepted. Then he had one apiece against Tampa, New England, and Houston. Oh, yeah, because he had that um, that late hit against uh, Kendrick Bourne, maybe. Remember, he was coming over the top, and that was they missed the field goal right after that. But, yeah, so, I mean, definitely not his best year, which is kind of disappointing because everyone talked about how locked in he was to start the year. So, it's well, a different march on. But he does have six pass breakups, three in week one. He's had three since then. I don't know. Well, well, what's crazy is every other team in the league would be jumping over each other to get to him, too, if they, if you wanted to put him up for availability. Oh. So, yeah, there's, there's no way, yeah. shape, or form I'm saying this team doesn't need Marshawn. We just need, you know, locked-in, focused Marshawn. Yeah, so this week he was targeted nine times in coverage. That's a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you could probably go like a m- months of previous years and see that um, six catches on nine targets. Yeah, this is not a, not his greatest game, so we'll have to see. But all right, I think that's I think that's that's <laughs> it from me. Anything else you want to hit before we go? Uh, no, just getting ready for more backup quarterback bonanza this week. Getting ready for the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Luke says PFF doesn't differentiate man versus zone. True, but the Saints play very little zone. Um, so I don't know. It's call it what you want. Either way, uh, I, I I mean I think that's I mean you base what you're watching and then going back and saying yeah that wasn't his best game. I don't think that's that's a bold take. I, I mean, just think obviously in general and I think it's easy to agree with this is the fact that the defense needs to come out with that second half mentality somehow. And I don't know what it, what's the magic juice that you have at halftime, but you need to have that before the game. Yeah, 17-point first halves are not going to cut it. you got to be better than that. Um, this this week, the offense was good enough to bail you out. It won't be every week. So True that, yeah. right. But all right, this has been a long pod. It's going to take me a lifetime to edit, but I appreciate everyone who was in here, everyone who asked the question. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. We'll be coming at you again on Wednesday with an injury report breakdown. I want to get more into Rashid Shahid and you know, really kind of – find some context on what he's been doing because it's it ain't normal what he's been doing like it's very few players in the nfl have put up the type of numbers the type of efficiency that he has put up so uh i want to talk about that and then 
you know, obviously we'll be getting into the Bears and Tyson Bajan and all that good stuff. But until then, thanks everyone for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. If you're listening to wherever you get your podcast and haven't hit the subscribe button, what the hell? Do it. Leave a rating, leave a review. I'll be your best friend forever. Thanks everyone for watching. And uh, who dat? Go Saints. Hit him with it. Let's, let's start the win streak, please. I agree. All right. Be easy, y'all. Peace.